0: Hi Cult Hackers, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Mather, organisational psychologist, once cult member and one of the hosts of Cult Hackers, a podcast that digs into how cults work, the psychology of being in a cult and how leavers manage to get out and make sense of the world afterwards. If you find this podcast useful, you can support it for just £1 or $1.50 per month by becoming a patron. Benefits include an exclusive weekly podcast called Reflections and a monthly Zoom meet-up with other patrons. So, today we interview Natalie Grand, author of Cult Girls, a brilliant graphic novel about life in and leaving Jehovah's Witnesses. This is a truly great piece of work and a really accessible way for people who've never experienced this life to get a sense of it, and for ex-members to nod along as the characters in the book struggle with very familiar problems. We recorded this podcast back in October and I should warn you that we had some technical problems with Celine's audio. Regular listeners may know that this has been an issue we've struggled with from time to time and my sincere apologies for this but the good news is that we've managed to get to the bottom of the problem and it should be the last time you have to put up with it. So without further discussion... I bring you Natalie Grand. We'll say a a very warm welcome to Natalie Grand. It's great to have you on the show, Natalie. Welcome to Cult Hackers.
1: Thank you for having me. This is always a pleasure. (laughs) You're
0: absolutely welcome. Right, so... um, Natalie, you've created this graphic novel that um, came to my attention a few months ago, really. It's been a while since we've been able to get you on, but um, uh, I was really fascinated about this and had to buy a copy. So, we've, straight away, we should recommend that all our listeners buy a copy. We will of put this it in the show novel. notes as well. Absolutely. We always pop the links in,
2: don't
0: we? Absolutely, we do. <laughs> uh, so, I'll let you introduce the name of it, um, Natalie. What's it called?
1: It is called Cult Girls and it just came out this year. I am in America, but it is um my intent on writing it was so that people all around the world could relate to it. And it is being picked up in libraries and different channels from Australia, Canada, UK. So that makes me really happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's so interesting and creative. Um, and I think it's unique really, isn't it? I, I, I think it it's fantastic. Sense. Um, what, what, what made you do it?
1: Well, I was really, I'm, I'm an avid reader and I'm, I'm kind of a positive person. Even when I was in it, people, w- it was a little deceitful because some people were like, wow, you were so happy in it, but that's my personality. It's really, I always like to focus mm. on positives. And so even when I was in it, I always was focusing on the positive new world and that's just me. But, um, but graphic novels and the comic industry has just exploded. And so, even like um, medical um, information or hard to learn concepts are now moving its way to um, graphic novel and picture format. Now it is really hard to make it because there's a lot of money involved and parties. Um, But I thought that there was kind of a need for it because I know with me and many people who leave any kind of um, maybe abusive relationship or organization, they're just reading and hungry just to see where they fit in the world or if their um, senses and their the feelings they had other people had and so I mean I did a lot of research when I left and it would have been nice to have um, something more colorful and fun depending on your mood because people are in different Mm. stages when they leave and so people do come to me with like reading lists after they leave and I ask them well you know sometimes lighter is better when you leave.
0: (laughs) Yeah I think that's true you can you can become really bogged down can't you with Mm -hmm. um the the depression of it all and um yeah i I, you know we've talked about this before there is actually quite a lot of humor in um in being raised as a jehovah's witness and um sometimes you feel a bit guilty but
2: (laughs) yeah i think sometimes when we talk to people it almost feels a bit like there feels a lot of pressure to kind of do the work and like catch Mm. up and and read all these Mm. kind of almost academic style texts and um a lot of very heavy dense reading and there's definitely a place and it's very important but also you've just spent a long time prison well not necessarily everyone's story is different but a lot of people have just spent a long time um you know bogged down in different reading materials from a different avenue it would be nice sometimes to have something a bit lighter and a bit more fun.
1: Um, yeah, I kind of made it a back-around story. So there mm-hmm. is some other people I've talked to they are doing like a mystery and mm-hmm. the background story. So mm-hmm. I think that's really effective. And also, I mean, if you think about it, most people, I mean, I did a, was a full-time pioneer. When you talk to people, they had some kind of affiliation at one time, maybe a grandma that studied or they dated some. I mean, even when I'm out at parties or gathering or school, somebody has something. So there's a degree of curiosity or mm-hmm. it's still in their... Um, kind of like uh, something in their ancestry and they may have like their mother may not, I had somebody say they never, their mom never talked about their past and then mm-hmm. they were mess. I get a lot of people that message me. And so I was like, wow, how neat that um, they were able to, kind- they said this kind of felt like maybe possibly it was their mom's story mm-hmm. because it, the, the past was painful and they just appreciated it because they
2: answered a lot of questions mm-hmm. for them. <laughs> yeah. I think as well, like uh, stuff like, hopefully our podcast and what you're creating with um with with your work as well it's it's helpful to people for understanding like you said not necessarily even if they were in it but understanding other people that were because um I had a friend that said he was um someone at work was obviously going through something and she just presumed he wouldn't get it and it's because she was in a situation with family issues because of JW stuff and um he was like oh I actually do understand that because you know I listen he listens to the podcast and he talks to me so he obviously gets that and he could understand somebody so because I think a lot of people presume what is niche no one will get this This so you know but the more we can understand each other we can kind
0: of support and
2: hopefully that that comes from doing stuff like this
0: yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that, Celine. That's uh, that's a yeah. great little story. Yeah, it
2: reminded me recently. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, he caught up with them recently, and he was like, yeah,
0: they're doing okay. So, well, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Natalie, tell tell us about the story of of the the graphic novel then. Um, so, I think you know your story has a lot to do with it. So, uh, tell us about it. Yeah, thank
1: you. Well, I'll be honest. I was watching that movie, Teenage Gen- Jesus Jerk. I'm sure you guys have seen it, but it was a hilarious movie even though I had some worldly people watching and they're like, we didn't find it that funny, but (laughs) me and the people that left it, we thought it was hilarious. And then we kept discussing it and saying like how things we should have like a divorce version. And we noticed as we healed, I had a group of mom friends that we were hardcore in it and we left because we wanted a better life for our children. So, um, and we were all born into it, like multi-generation. And so it was like a huge process. And so all of us branched, out in different ways. Like, you know, some of us are divorced, some stayed with their Jehovah's Witness spouse, some went to college, some so that was accurate in the story that yeah. we all took a different journey. And that's the beautifulness of it. And as time went and we healed, instead of feeling sad and stuff, we get together and we just start laughing. And then people are like, wow, is this really hap? Was this really happening in this town? And we're like, yeah, you know, we're just telling stories. And so we're like, how funny if we could just tell a story and see the humor in it, because we do learn from the past. And so we just thought that um, the healing, the positive part, I didn't want to overly dark and depressing because my my life was, more depressing than that. I had a lot of severe things happen to me and injustices in the Kingdom Hall, saw a lot of abuse, but I kept it really light. um, And my family wasn't that nice. They're very dysfunctional. They do need, there's some serious um, attention they would need. They weren't really like loving and kind, kind, whereas like some families were, and we were a broken family. Family. Both of my parents have been married multiple times and divorced. And so I already came from a broken home. Right. And so, um, but, anyways, I just wanted something light and also to have an educational narrative. And it's funny because I look at it and I don't think it's that intense, but people are like, wow, I can't believe they treated women like that. Or, um, you know, I'm in this Indian culture and we, are all about like empowering our young girls to have education. Like they're on the other end because Mm. they're trying to fix something, um, of this culture where women were less than men and, um, that's empowering. And, um, the more, and I do that with my daughter, I have a daughter that's just a little younger than you and she, thanks me for her college education and pushing her because she's like, that was the greatest power I have. And that's, you know, for my identity. So she's promoting that and she would do the same thing for her daughter too. And it's more than money. It's about, um, you know, connecting with other cultures and feeling, you know, using your brain and um, being able to use critical thinking skills, and so um, I don't think that um, it defeminizes you in any way. Um, it's just more like you know, a lot of people say they feel more like a goddess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that comes across in in your uh, in your work, but it also is something that I, of course, resonates with us too. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's one of the things that uh, we've talked about before the main catalyst really for me leaving was looking at my baby daughter there thinking, Mm -hmm. what do I tell her, you know, um, how am I going to raise her? So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that is, it's great when you can break that cycle, isn't it? Um, you've got a, the the main character is called Talia.
1: Yeah. It's an inspired character of myself. I did have to switch around, you know, names or the way they looked, of course, Mm -hmm. but all the events that happened in the book have people I've have known have happened to, like the voyeurism. Yeah. I've had multiple um, people say that they have been voyeured on. And um, you know these can even be leaders inside the Jehovah's Witnesses. And when you look at the research, that's not a crime to them, and it is illegal in the world. There's something seriously wrong with somebody who peers on women, and so. Um, but this kind of behavior is allowed um, in the Jehovah's Witnesses, and it's not reported. and And they'll tell you this isn't a crime, and it's like, yeah, but you guys, their government is superseding the regular government, mm-hmm. and so. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that has to get in there. Um, yeah. You know, just a lot of the scenarios were in there. Of, um, you know, like I just remember at the Kingdom Hall, like women, but they were really happy to tell people that their husband picks out their clothes and like how dare basically it was making any woman that liked fashion, um, to look like they weren't being subservient. And so there was like this really weird culture in it. I found, um, like you know, when I pioneered that we would have like a 14 year old brother leading our field service ministry and I'm paying my own gas. I got a toddler and he's telling me what to do. And everybody's like, Oh, thank you, brother. And, you know, <laughs> you know, we're spending our own money and that's cold outside. And like, maybe I want to go on a Bible study with my, my toddler. That's out in service. Mm-hmm. She pioneered with me at the time. So mm-hmm. some of these are just kind of weird. <laughs>
0: yeah you 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 sort of um peel back that culture I think really well you know there's lots of stuff in there around the way that people behave I mean i I found bits of it quite amusing around like um the, the way that there's there's people who really sort of know what they should be doing but uh, I mean Christmas is a good good example of that and birthdays and things like that where you know some of the characters know what they're supposed to be doing but they really want to have a bit of a party or they really want to have a Christmas tree and so Mm -hmm. they'll call it something a bit different and all of that which I think is brilliant.
1: (laughs) That is so true we had turkey festivus not me but a lot of my friends um yeah there was just around Halloween time there was always a couple's costume party Mm. some of my family members Um, they associate, did just celebrate Thanksgiving with some of their, um, family members that left a long time ago and have like turkey placemats and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was like, sometimes you saw some of these things. It didn't make
2: sense. You do wonder, like, we know people that get a turkey and have it on Christmas day. And it's like, all right, just call a spade a spade. Do you know what I mean? I
1: will be honest. The holidays was the hardest thing for me. Like my whole body was being, left it. Like, you know, I didn't want to date anybody in it because I wanted to evolve and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I went down that route and it just wasn't for me. Um, But the holidays was the hardest because I think I was afraid somebody would see me because an apostate that either has like a fag or a Christmas tree is like worse than a murderer. And so- (laughs) And then my friend was like, "Why are you doing this?" And then at the same time, I was in college studying international business, and it was saying that it was very—I was making holidays on this big thing that it had to mean something. And really, they're just silly rituals. And Jehovah's Witnesses do it too. All cultures do it. All—you know—you could work at a company, and they have their own rituals. And it's just a way for people to feel part of the community. It's just like a, a nice little distraction, and it's. Makes you feel young. So when I looked at it that and it said when you're doing travel, it said make sure to do the local customs or um if you're doing international business, um, what get to know their culture and try to be part of it, or if you want to fight um fatigue at your work or burnout, try to get to know your coworkers and see them as a friend, not a foe. And so and I was like, wow, this is really refreshing, this information, because we were always taught like it's us against them and there's good and bad, and it's like, no, it's It's not about that at all. It's just about having fun, being kind, um, working as a team, looking at people as um, a community. And you're a lot happier as an individual.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just being part
2: uh, of the world. Yeah. (laughs) Engaging with people outside of a particular bubble, you know.
0: It's nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so the the um, the subject of divorce comes up quite a bit in your uh, in your graphic novel, um, Natalie. So, um, Talia um, is divorced or gets divorced, and she tells some of her story in this, as does um, her friend, I think Rosa as well. So, tell us about what um, what relationships are like, or what you remember relationships relationships being like as as young jehovah's witnesses how how does that all work
1: well i think there i mean many would agree with me that have dated in those types of cultures you don't really get a chance to know your spouse um Mm. i mean people in high school i mean a lot of my friends that have left they're kind of they're seeing their nieces and nephews you know, 17 already being engaged. And when you've already raised children, I have an older daughter, you know, I have a teenager. And when I try to explain to them that people were already picking marriage mates, and your parents are telling you things too, that reputation is everything. And even when I was like a young girl, I remember older guys I wasn't even interested in that were disgusting, were already talking to my parents at circuit assemblies. And um, the elders used it as leverage one time, um, Against me that some ministerial servant that was divorced, and to me, I wasn't even attracted. This guy was so much older. And mm-hmm. they're like, almost setting me up with him um, and saying that if I get to this spiritual status, they told him that I wouldn't be a good candidate for him. And I said, I'm not even interested in him. So, you know, and then people tell these funny stories that it felt like arranged marriages to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Parents are, it's very common. They're already lining up their children um, because they don't you know, they want to keep them in and it's more likely if they marry somebody in or it's likely they don't get disfellowshipped. So there's like a lot of motives. Um, And I just don't, I feel like that's too much for somebody young. They haven't explored what they're doing. And then in my case, I was told that you couldn't move out unless you got married. So that's Mm -hmm. very common scenario too for women. And there wasn't a lot of women that lived on their own. Um, So it's like, and then they tell you can't live with a worldly person. So that could really mess up your reputation. So who do you live with? Because you're really poor and they don't encourage college. So there was just like obstacle after obstacle that shape and warp this path. So it's like, there's a lot of factors going into that and I think people that haven't lived it they don't understand it and some marriages do thrive like they've lucked out and there's like you know they um did you know somebody loving but it's just hard these are like kids marrying kids
2: <laughs> yeah there seems to be kind of like from the people we've talked to this you know there's going to be outliers and difference but there's a lot of like some people end up leaving with their partner like leaving with their spouse because I guess they find someone that and they start talking, or like you know, one starts discovering, and you talk to the other because you would. It's the person that I guess hope in these in the good scenario you trust, and it turns out you're on the same page and you leave together. And then there's the other one, where one's just really in and one's not. And just unfortunately that that ends at that point. But you wouldn't know which one of you if, if either of you's really in or really out because you've never had chance to really talk to each other. <laughs>
0: And it's very difficult, isn't it, Natalie, to to actually open up to your spouse about Seriously. these any doubts you might have or anything like that. It's really hard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I lived that in my first marriage. He mm-hmm. was like that the whole time, and I was the devoted one. And he was reading apostate literature and had a lot of concerns, and I was just shutting down. Mm-hmm. That's not why we got divorced, but sure. he was already there, and I did live that. And, you know, I was like, wow, I wish um, – You know, I wish some other factors would have came in that might have told me to woke up because my family had so much power over me. And, um, you know, I just didn't have a lot of experience. So, yeah, that is. And also, you know, you're kind of in a codependent um, environment growing up. You're not really empowered as and I'm sure it's with the males, too. Um, to have time alone, to be strong, work on your passions, make yourself strong because the, the end is coming. And you know, I wanted to be in corporate world, and I had all these like mm-hmm. nobody really asked me what I wanted to be as an adult, and that's really common to kids. But when I had those thoughts or try to convey them, they were shut down and said that's not for a Christian woman. And so um, I just wasn't really ready for the the children thing. I love having children and family, but um, it's just kind of a it doesn't really prepare you for survival into the world Worlds so you you got babies like marrying each other, basically.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and your, your, your graphic novel, you, you see these young women um, and it is very much from a, a, a the feminine perspective, uh, which I think is really interesting. Obviously f- from my perspective, I, I, I want to learn as much as I can about that, that experience. Um, but you see them kind of trying to come to terms with, with their, they want to have fun. They want to go out, and they want to, you know, they 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 might fancy this guy, or they they might have some fantasies about things that they've never been able to do, and um, and you kind of explore that, which I think is really really interesting and and uh, really quite fun as well the way you do it.
1: I think, well, the biggest thing, and that was true and there was the Greece trip. That was kind of, it was something I really wanted for a long time. And I remember right before I left, my family was like, what if Armageddon comes? And it's like, so what? Like, does that make me a bad person? I took a vacation. There was, there is a fear. Um, one of the governing bodies, he said recently about like, if you were on a vacation and you weren't out or you weren't out in service for a couple weeks, you met your life may not be spared. And I thought that is so beyond ridiculous. It's like, if you spent, and you were mother Teresa and you did gave, gave, gave. So like you took two weeks off and maybe, you know, you're learning something, maybe it's an educational or soul journey or your are how does that make any sense? That ruins your everlasting life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's why it needs to be in the book because I want people to live life. And um, and it also uh, going back to the marriage thing, um, I wanted multiple people to relate to because they might take bits or pieces. Now in my family, uh, my mother, um, she probably saw a lot of abuse. Well, she always said it was a man-ran organization. And she felt like if I married an elder... Just knowing my personality, it wouldn't go well because they would be kind trying to dominate me. And, um, and I'm kind of a free spirit. And so, so she was really against that from things that she must've saw. She didn't really expand on it. So my friend though, she, her mom was a convert. And so, um, she, the only thing that mattered was marrying that elder. And this was, you know, some of the dangers, a lot of young girls, when they're just going a spiritual path, they aren't maybe prepared to financially support them. Cause we're kind of like growing as a woman, like the man's going to solve your problems or a white a white picket fence thing. So it's showing like the down, like different people can connect because they might have been going for the spiritual resume and then some are going for the path of least resistance. And then, you know, they may be marrying even somebody who's a latent homosexual. And we find that a lot in the organization. They don't know that they're gay. And I'm all about gay people. I, I, I do feel sorry that they've been called terrible names in the organization. I do believe they are born. Um, homosexual. And so, so it, it, there's layers to these, these issues of this early marriage thing. And so anyway, I just wanted to point that out that that's all in yeah. the book.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And uh, one, of, one of your characters, you know, that's one of the things that, that happens in, um, in their marriage. And yeah, it must be, I mean, we've talked about this before we've talked to some, um, ex-JWs who are gay, and um, it must be absolutely horrific uh, to grow up in that environment, because you know you just don't, you, you you're unable to be yourself. You know you know that you're never going to be able to to be yourself. So I think that's um, yeah that that's really it's quite profound. Um, another thing in in your uh, novel, Natalie, is the the disciplinary regime. So inevitably, if you force Young people to get married very early, um, and without or not force, but if you create the conditions, let's say, where you end up with lots of young married um, um, witnesses. Plus, they they've they've not had any experience with with sex or anything like that, so they're very innocent and um, unable really to understand all of that, it's probably inevitable that you're going to get a lot of difficulties within marriages and relationships. Therefore, you have um, situations where then the elders step in to have disciplinary processes around things like um, seeing other people or watching pornography or all these sorts of things. So um, tell us a little bit about what you talk about in terms of the disciplinary procedures within the, the organization?
1: Well, in my case, in, in my area, the women get all, you know, they're the ones that get spied on. And um, because it's men ran a lot of, there's a lot of construction trades and there's a lot of secrets in our um, kingdom halls. So, for some reason, um, you know, I I got remarried and that was a story. And I got disfellowshipped after I was married. And the thing was, is my ex-husband, he wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, but he never got disfellowshipped. But the main reason the elders pinned it on me was because they disfellowshipped me. And then, um, and I was trying to return is they wanted to study with my children alone. And I was in a different hall. I switched halls so that I'd kind of have like, give some space to some of the family in there and to do my own thing. And, um, but I wasn't going to let, they wanted my kids alone with these older elders. I did not trust at all. I have a really hard time. Um, a lot of the elders I knew that were on judicial, I've known good ones, but the ones that were on judicial, I've had such bad dealings with, and, um, I saw a lot of covered up, um, Secrets and stuff. So, um, and then you know, people in my own kingdom hall growing up were um, there was a court case. They were molested in the kingdom hall bathroom, and it never went in the newspaper, but it's um, it's in the court cases, and I read it. And one of those youths did get um, disfellowshipped, and he committed suicide. And so that's just one example. I've had other family members abuse. So I was not going to send my kids over there. And I said, I know how to teach them, but they kept saying I had a bad attitude and I needed to, um, you know, let them take them to ice cream, mountain service. And my kids didn't even want to do that. So, so anyways, it just, it was time. It was time to stop the insanity. My daughter begged me to stop. She says, this is, please don't do this to your other children. Um, Because I wasn't even wanting to bring them to the to the Kingdom Hall. So that's why my body was reacting. I was trying to protect them. But then I wasn't protecting myself anymore. And so that's when I I woke up. I was like, this is it's time. It's time I make a stand because I don't want to take five meetings night a week from my family. And I'm when i was hearing the comments of some of these parents what they were saying about their disfellowship kids on their soapbox saying they were not happy but they were like talking about how they let their kid go like at 20 and they were like around my age and they were like wearing it with a badge of honor Mm -hmm. and i thought you know you're not the victim you um you know you could be in that kid's life and they suffered you were the parent you weren't the kid and so i was like i don't want to be like these parents (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah that's interesting so um just just coming to your your story then um natalie when when you left you say that was that was the sort of time that you started waking up so was it the behavior of the organization that really um hit you first rather than any of the doctrines and things like that was it the way the organization behaved
1: Uh, Yes. I mean, I kind of wanted to leave most of my life, but it was the family. My father did, and it is like in the book. I said, I don't believe it. Here's the reasons, the scientific reasons. Here's the history. And basically, you know, I I mean, I was like, people were divorced in it. Um, He said, one of the Rutherford said, very derogatory things about women. And that goes against everything. I'm sticking up for my species. I think they're fantastic. And he was like, it doesn't, he's like, that's what Jehovah needed um, at that time. And so I'm seeing patterns of like these really rich Mm -hmm. white men and it's ran like a business. Um, And it's like, that's. I feel like that's not even like God anymore. But, but I still, my body was like, you don't agree with it. That's okay. Cause that's what I've been told my whole life. And so that's why I was still going through the motions. I was just going to clear my head, but I was not going to cry anymore at those meetings. Cause I've spent, I was actually disfellowshipped, um, as a teenager and went through a whole rigmarole, um, with the elders telling me I was going to be st- That they should have stoned me and stuff Mm. so i was like i'm not gonna cry anymore i'm actually finding happiness and i'm gonna find who i am and so um that's why it's like in the book um you know there's different paths for everybody not everybody can go to school but maybe they want like their kids to have a better education or maybe they want to get involved with their community or maybe they want to help the animals and these were all real life things and i saw smiles on their face and their children were blossoming going to school because i was told when i was young all these people are doing drugs and all these bad things would happen to you if you went down this path of um sports or education and and really all i saw is that they were helping the earth and they weren't really like doing these debauch things that we were told (laughs)
0: yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely um uh, you mentioned the elders there and and the elders are quite i find them really interesting in the um in the graphic novel because they kind of all look the same (laughs) um they're kind of drawn pretty much the same and um they're, they're, yeah, they, they come across as kind of pompous and cold. Um, and yeah, I, I, I guess that that's on purpose, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That's what, I mean, I was pregnant on my first, my first disfellowship and I was married cause I got married after I got fellowship to a, a Jehovah's witness. And, um, and so anyways, they kept me out two years. I was pregnant, um, going to all the meetings. I was driving like 30 minutes by myself cause he didn't go. And they kept me out, um, through my whole pregnancy. After I had the baby, people were like looking at me, like I was like some terrible person. And then they find out, I said, I didn't do all those things. I just got married after I got scholarship. Cause I got in trouble for drinking a margarita, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, why was i so i cry every night and it's like these people were so um they were they wouldn't release my cards to the new one and even those elders were like why are they doing this to you we can't figure out we just see like we have a daughter your age and we would never treat her like this so Mm -hmm. the emotional support i mean they just sort of felt for me if you're not like in a mental hospital slitting your wrist they're just not going to be happy and they still would be like oh see we we knew something was wrong with her. <laughs> we told well, you she's crazy. <laughs> we literally had this conversation
2: <laughs> um, where elders came to a um, mental hospital to have a go at the person. So it does, in fact, happen.
0: Mm, yeah. And it's a conversation yeah, so, we've
2: had on this show.
0: That's right, Sarah. My wife um, had a similar sort of um experience yeah so I'm I'm basically um you may have noticed Natalie that I'm kind of flicking through the uh the book and finding bits that I want to ask you about um (laughs) so one of the so what I like about the novel we haven't sort of explained it all that much so um it's hard to explain a graphic novel isn't it on a podcast um but it's uh first of all it's beautifully drawn as well and I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell us who's the artist
1: Oh yeah, so um, I have. I feel like there's a lot of culture in it. Um, my artist, she is definitely a feminist. She's lived all over the world in Dubai, and um, it was very hard to find somebody because nobody wants to talk about a mega, a mega rich cult, you know. <laughs> so, yes. But she was willing to take it on. <laughs> And so, because um, she's all she's seen women suppressed, and so she mm-hmm. understood it and felt passionate herself, and so so that was nice. And I probably needed like a, a non Jehovah's Witness perspective because I would say something. I did sketch the book first, and yeah. then I gave the artist, and then we um, had a conversation on each page, and um, I had a script and everything. Um, But she would be like, that maybe doesn't make sense because I wasn't raised in it. So we need to kind of like make a little picture here or something. Um, So, but then, so I try to like pull in that California culture um, because there's a lot of Hispanics here and, um, and just really bring in like the women's story um, in it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, you definitely do that. Um, uh, And at the top of most pages, there's like a little few words to summarize um, the kind of Theme, I suppose. This this is something that happens. For instance, you've got um, on the page I'm looking at now, men are better than women, um, and then obviously the story picks up, and uh, you can see how that's uh, that's the sort of cultural conditioning that that you are meant to to think. Um, so, do you, do you want to just tell us a little bit about how Jehovah's Witnesses make Uh, people think that or that's the that's the inference
1: those were, I mean, those were my stories. The men are better than women because I was told that because I really wanted to do the microphones. But the funny mm-hmm. part is, is my friends, they got together and many people have messaged me. I sent it to all like, I was very popular when I, we, I knew a lot of people and I'm still in the same town. So I, they all have a copy, but they were like, oh, did you use my story about growing up with the microphone? And, and they thought they told me their story about that. And I was like, no, that's my story. I was told that and felt that. And so patterns. And then another girl was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm 40 and I'm still dealing with the money culture. I had a hard time being successful because money was bad. And she's like, did you take my story? And I was like, no, this is what I've observed. <laughs> you know? so, so it is very relatable. It is dead on these situations, you know, a little more vanilla, but, but I wanted that captured because this is what all the women have experienced in it. I mean, even the guys appreciate um, the stories because they've seen it. Too, or they had a daughter and you know kind of similar so
2: (laughs) if you're enjoying the podcast you can support it by becoming a patron you can support the podcast for just one pound or a dollar fifty and receive a variety of patreon benefits as a thank you don't forget to share the podcast follow like subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using a review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognized by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some cult hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our cult hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast.
1: And there is a lot of people are surprised how much content is in it because it's Mm -hmm. not something you're just going to finish in one night. um, My friends Mm -hmm. have first gone through it real quick and then they go back and read like the page a day Mm -hmm. of the um, narration. But there's, you know, I've read a lot of psychology books and stuff about, you know, what attracts people to these kinds of leadership positions. And they do kind of get corrupted a little bit just by default. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and that the company doesn't train these people.
0: Yeah, so I I think uh, one of the things you said there was that that the the men in positions can become kind of corrupted by that, um, and I I think that's absolutely right. You know, I was a I was a ministerial servant. I I never made it to the dizzy heights of um, of eldership. You know, um, but because uh, I left before that, but um, I know that you know there is a. Um, there is a feeling of climbing up the greasy pole, as we call it, you know, as um, uh, looking to have more responsibility and, you know, it gives you more opportunity to give talks and then to do this and then to do that. And I, I think it would be very easy to um, to lose your head around that and start to believe that you're something important. Um and so I'm really glad I I didn't become an elder. I I I hope that I wouldn't have become one of those bossy, pompous men. Um, but I think it can happen. And so yeah, i I, I certainly can recognise that. I think that's it's an important sobering point, I think.
2: I think it might also tie into this is just armchair psychology. (laughs) Like this isn't based on you know um evidence, but it might also tie into the fact that obviously as we as we've said then witnesses aren't encouraged to you know seek climbing the pole in other ways you know what i mean like so you don't get the education or like in the pursuit of that you, you know you don't you don't have the pursuit of you know trying to you know join that business and becoming you know that that top man in that business or whatever so like this is that place where you feel like you can do that and there's probably external pressures and you know, to use the sort of like toxic masculinity of having to be at the top. And this is the only area that you're encouraged actively to do that by your group. So you can, you know, have that sort of, top, like that man dopamine hit of like getting to the top and doing that. And that's the only avenue you're allowed to do that in. So presumably, if, if you feel like, if, if you ever feel upset or judged by people on the external that you're not, doing that in the
0: worldly
2: way you
1: can express that in your
0: spiritual life instead of them. a good point yeah yeah. no that, that's right and of course men men do have that opportunity but women don't um f- so for our listeners who don't know much about jehovah's witnesses because our listeners are, are interested in lots of different sorts of groups um natalie tell us tell us about that why 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 are we saying this about men and women what what's the um what are the rules
1: religion doesn't really evolve as a religion so um it is kind of stuck like in this old (laughs) culture that Mm -hmm. um I mean, they did, they have said women have, I put it in the comic, they have smaller mm-hmm. brains and then they're weak. I mean, these are the things we're told um, growing up but in the world. I don't really see this of women at all. They're very like maternal and strong. And so, mm. um, but there is, but there's a problem with it because that's how abuse Um, I did see now, not all elders make it to like the judicial, sometimes they're more like service or they tend to be the nice one. They get hand selected. And in my area Mm -hmm. was the meaner you are. That can clean the kingdom hall, and they will tell you our job is to clean the kingdom hall. You know, they're coming Mm -hmm. down. And you are always as a woman worrying. I was told, like, be careful not to talk bad about the elders because they will pay you back. They will not be made fun of. And they will. I have had meetings where they pull you in the back um, right after meeting. I was on a wine event and there was an elder in our group, and I was the only person singled out. It was to make me look, you know, like I had. Had some kind of secret and I was like how dare you like who's my accuser I knew the game by then who's my accuser because mm. nobody told me they had a problem with me I would like to apologize to that so you start to get really wise in it and then I was like well oh we can't tell you who that was I mean I didn't know who it was later on I found out was sister then I was like no if I'm gonna ask the society if you don't give me that name because you pull me in the back and have these really strong accusations that I was drinking when there was 20 other people why didn't you ask that elder that's in your group And they're like, I don't think they knew about it. So there is kind of like little groups inside the congregation of elders. Hmm. And so, um, so you kind of get wiser, but it is, and they don't evolve. So it's like, you know, just like, um, Jackson, the governing body said, they won't change their policies on because they follow the Bible. So, um, as time goes, there's awareness. I mean, we're becoming better parents as a society and you know, people are becoming better teachers, there's more safety, the roads are getting safer, but this religion doesn't change with the times. They're not treating women the way they should be treated with respect or have maybe some women representation to protect them or make them feel safe. Um, but they just don't evolve. So that, I think that's a difference because other organizations are progressing to safety of children or, um, utilizing women better in the congregation.
0: I guess we, we always recognize, and, and you said the same yourself that, you know, different individuals behave differently. So, um, you know, we, we, we see some people who abuse their power, I think, uh, in these positions. And i I'm, I'm I think the problem is is that the the setup of the organization enables that um, and that's that's why you end up with these situations it doesn't mean that every single elder is a nasty piece of work but it means that the the organization has created a, a system that enables those that are to get into positions of authority and there's very little in by the way of protection and comeback for those who are more vulnerable within the congregation, and that is the real concern, I think.
1: Well, think about it, too. The elders, they this was another elder I spoke to recently. He was an old old, elder, and he says that he feels bad for a lot of the elders because they've been kind of like, decent. they're put in situations um, that aren't natural. So they're hearing people's problems a lot. It could be a, a sister. And he's like, so they're kind of put in these strange things. And he's like, if we didn't interrogate people, like, he's like, why do they even have to interrogate? That's kind of like Scientologists, you know, they're auditing. And it's a psychological thing more than just the tape. It's like, whoa, I told them all this. Well, they do that on a daily basis, some of them. And so um, and so, they're sort of being desensitized. Like they're just kind of, they're like in this weird um, state, but they're being put in matters they shouldn't really be in. And he kind of felt like, and I had to agree, he's like, you know, why not just confess openly? Um, you know, a lot of therapy, you talk and then you feel good. And, and if somebody just talks about it and they're not taking notes and they're not judging you, that could be therapeutic and know that God cares about them and they move on. But I was like, yeah, you're right. It's like that whole interrogation and judging process. That's too much for another human to take on because even therapists don't do that. They're just trying to let, like heal that person and, you know, reroute them. So, so yeah, so I, I didn't think about that with the elders, um, you know and they're interrogating children and i really feel strongly it's an inhumane process and they're not giving this up for some reason <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: well yeah it's, i mean that's a really good question is is this relationship between uh authority uh, of being an elder and um that the pain and suffering that 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 it brings with it. And yet the feeling that you don't want to give it up. I think that in itself is a kind of study that we, we kind of need to do because I I know that many elders do come off from being elders. They do stop being elders because they are, um, certainly when I was growing up, I, I know this happened that they were, you know, really struggling with their mental health because of what they were, they thought they had to deal with. And you're absolutely right. You know, these are, these are, often poorly educated men who are being asked to handle some of the most difficult situations sometimes including some pretty horrible abuse that they're now being asked to judge on Um, it's not it's not on
2: even in the police they don't um continually work on the the most awful of cases they do like with children and with certainly be, they are circled around they don't keep them on that consistently because they understand it would be really damaging to a person's mental health so the fact that they these things have to when you're in an organization these things have to be considered to be done ethically and unfortunately this organization does not consider the ethics of the decisions they make
1: yeah and also, I mean, these people just can't be authentic. You're always like um, watching your back. And that's what I think earlier I was trying to say is that you can't talk bad about the elders. Um, uh, you know, even your friends, if you're not crediting Jehovah or they're screening what you say, what is for fun, what TV you watch. And you don't really realize this until you leave, um, that you're not being authentic until you're around authentic people that are, you um, you know they're not worrying about um you don't have to tell because they're telling you you have to turn in people if you know of stuff mm-hmm. so it's like how can you really have a friendship yeah. if you're constantly wondering if you need oh, to turn gone, them in yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: absolutely yeah i was gonna ask you about the gossipy nature you talk about that quite a bit in your um, in your book as well so uh that that again that's that's uh i guess an inevitable result of <laughs> yes you know <laughs> what you created here <laughs>
1: I've talked to other cult survivors and they um, say the same thing the gossip in yep. um, these things like, <laughs> and they do and in the judicial meeting they do ask certain questions like oh are you why do they ask if you're pregnant or if you use a condom and stuff it's because they want to know how many people know about something and so everybody as a teenager was like if you got in trouble they're like tell the elders you didn't tell anybody because if you told somebody they want they'll even write down what people did you tell you know if that's like uh, over three okay you're getting announced because <laughs> they're not going to be made fun of <laughs> so there's yeah, a lot good. of lying in the um, mm. judicial meetings too you know, people are coaxing um, telling each other and my grandfather he was an elder when I went in he was like make sure you cry it's like why do I have to cry
0: <laughs> so. yeah, well, th- th- this, is, this is a result of um, you know human beings trying to work out the motivation and the the mental state of somebody sat in front of them. You know, nobody can do that. Not even the best trained psychologists yeah. can work out how people actually feel about what they've done. And yet that is essentially what the elders are, are trying to do. They're trying to work out whether this person in front of them is repentant or not. I mean, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It sounds so ridiculous when people hear about it. And But but the sad part is I gave them the powder, power. So, um, mm. That's why I think this awareness is important because these aren't the things they're exactly telling people door to door, because I know in my area, you know, they're trying to remove carts and stuff like that, and people have a tendency to mind their own business because it is kind of a religious mm. town. But the thing is, is they're after you know, this could be somebody you're dating. This could they could be at your, after your youth. Um, they're at our college. Uh,
0: you know, you talk about empowering, and um, and that's I suppose was my last question. Really, And the, the thing I wanted to talk to you about is that's clearly what you've done here in the graphic novel and in your life the way you've um, changed what you do in your life is is all about empowering yourself um you know and do you want to tell us about how good your life is now and, and uh, you know that you can leave this organization and become who you really want to be
1: I think there's hope for all is just, you know, use your enter. You're told not to trust yourself in your heart. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I mean, they told us the gym was bad. So, you know, it's about living that life and and try to be open, get to know as many other people out. That will help you accelerate reading community. There's XJW groups, there's professional groups, but I connect with, um, you know, other survivors of different types of things. Mm. And so there is a beautiful life. There's all of our lives have purpose. And um, even jumping in your community, I think it's about balance. It's about learning, growing, um, experiencing things. And then the further you go away, you will look back and just be so thankful that you got that time instead of me thinking, oh, I wish I could have been this that. It's better to think I saved my life. I broke a four-generation cult, and my kids are forever thankful. They can't even believe it. Like, <laughs> so that gave them a source of appreciation and drive in life because they have like a renewed opportunity. And so, anyways, I just I, I hear a lot are leaving right now, and um, you know whether you're a fader or whatever, just keep there's nothing wrong with empowering yourself and being happy because you'll you'll be stronger to help others and hopefully you'll even live longer
0: <laughs> absolutely well um i think you've done a great job and um again we'll put the link on the uh on the show notes so people can get the book it's it's available in the uk and obviously in the states i'm sure it's available all around the world um yeah so thank you so much natalie grand for coming on the podcast today
2: thank you so much. thank you thank you thank you, you guys.